What would you say if I told you that I have the magic key to unlocking your students' math success, even your students who are below grade level? In today's episode, we are joined by Jay Brown, who is going to be sharing all about how to increase academic achievement by systematically building student self-efficacy in math. Let's get started. Welcome to Solving for the Undefined podcast. I'm your host, Johanna, founder of Miss Kuiper's Classroom, the place that equips teachers in creating a healthy math classroom where students can thrive, no matter their academic abilities. But it's not always about the numbers, and that's why I'm here, bringing you the formulas to solve your problems, math and otherwise, plus strategies on cultivating that necessary math mindset. And that's what you can count on. All right. Hello. Hello. Welcome to a brand new episode. Today, we have Jay here with us to talk about self-efficacy in the math classroom. Welcome. Hi. Good morning. Well, hello. Good afternoon, whatever time it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm excited for this podcast. I think it's going to be very valuable for everyone listening and for me too, just learning more about how to help students within our math classrooms. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm excited to be here um just to chat with you this morning. Um you know, we follow each other on social media and you post really great content and I I'm like I feel like we would have like a really great conversation because like I feel like there's so much alignment there um just with your passion and your heart and what you your desire for students and so um I'm excited. So yeah. Thank you. That makes me happy. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So I am Jay Brown. I am um, a former fifth grade math teacher. I was blessed with um, being able to teach fifth grade math for 10 years straight. Um, But I actually, let me backtrack. I actually started off as a PE teacher. (laughs) My first year teaching, um, I wanted to teach in um, a particular district. And so the only position available was PE. So (laughs) I taught PE until there was actually, I taught actually PE and reading. And then actually there was a math coach there at the school. And she was like, y'all have got to get that girl (laughs) into a classroom. Like y'all got to get her in there. And so, um, Um, And so then the next year I moved into teaching fifth grade math. And so, but then I was like, I think I want to go down to third grade. And so then I went down to third grade for two years and I was like, "Mm -mm, give me my fifth graders. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was blessed with teaching fifth grade math um, specifically for like 10 years straight. And um, then I moved into an instructional coach role. And so I did that for a while. And then um. I moved out of that role. And uh, well, while I was doing that, I was also, um, I worked a few years, uh, contracted with the state, reviewing curriculum for tier one status, also developing curriculum for developing content for the state. Um, We had this initiative, um, Accelerate Math was the initiative. And so did a lot of work with that, creating content and resources for the state. And then um, not, oh, then I became a certified math content leader, which was so yummy. I am like a math. I, and let me say, I, <laughs> I like math like concepts, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I nerd out over just the conceptual part of math. So I was doing, so I became certified in that. And, um, and so now I am an ed consultant for, um, my husband's consulting firm, as well as another ed tech company. 
And so um, I have I have an ebook, a curriculum companion, and a course. And so that on how to accelerate math and embed social emotional learning inside the math classroom. And so that is part of the services that we offer to schools and districts through my husband's company. So yeah, that is what, what I'm doing and what I'm up to these days. That is an amazing journey. Just like starting off as a PE teacher, going to fifth grade, then third grade to fifth grade, and then to where you are now. That is amazing. And I think it's so interesting too, because I feel like teachers, they find their grade and they find like what they like with students. And then they try something else and they're like, nope, go, go mm -hmm. back. No, I, I, I taught mostly all eighth grade, but I had one sixth grade class and I will never teach sixth grade again. <laughs> like eighth grade is where I belong. That's so sweet. My husband says the same thing. He was a former middle school teacher and he says the same thing about eighth grade. He's like, that's the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Indeed. I feel like they're just mature enough, but they're still like kid and you can yeah. joke around with them. It's just like the perfect like combination. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and I'm sure you find it too. Like teachers do better whenever they are in areas where they feel like they can really thrive at, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, I just think it's, I, I think it's important. Like I was praying every year, please don't move me. Please don't move me. But, <laughs> you know, I thank God for amazing administrators who saw my strength and kept me where mm -hmm. I was. So, yeah. yes, absolutely. So, I know you specialize in this Accelerate Math, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about that and like, what is self-efficacy? Okay. All right. So I'll tell you the journey with self-efficacy. I'll start there. So really, you know, I've always worked in areas um, that had high populations of students that struggled, right? And so I'm a big research person. I love research. And so... I, you know, and everything that I did inside of my classroom, I'm like, I'm going to make sure that it's research based, right? I'm not just doing things based off of my opinion and how I feel. And so I was just like on this journey to find out like, okay, based on research, like what really helps move and grow students that struggle? Like our low achieving students, what really helps them? And so as I'm like researching, you know, I find I'm finding like all of these articles, like math anxiety, math anxiety, math anxiety. I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is like a real legit thing. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm like focusing on math anxiety for a while. And then I'm like, okay, well, how do we like target math anxiety? And so, um, and so I'm like researching that and that's how I came to self-efficacy. And um, my husband is an actual researcher now. And so he, yeah. <laughs> And so he introduced me to John Hattie and John Hattie, oh my gosh, his research is amazing. It's like this ongoing study of like things that work best in education. And so he introduced me to John Hattie and sure enough, I saw the list of influences and right there at the top was student self-efficacy. And I'm like, oh, bingo, <laughs> you know, like that is what I need to focus on. Um, because, you know, I'm targeting how to, how do I, you know, I'm looking at how do I, you know, remedy or help math anxiety. And I know it's self-efficacy, but then this research now shows that self-efficacy is one of the top influencers of student achievement. And so that is why, you know, I've really focused on self-efficacy so much um, because it showed like the research shows that students can achieve over two years of growth 
just by increasing, yeah, their self efficacy. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Two amazing. Years, one year. Yeah, yeah. So that that's why. <laughs> wow. Of course. Like I, that's amazing. That just focusing on one thing can have like such an amazing like effect on a student's. Yes. That just like blows my mind. It does, and it really does because you know so many times. You know, I know I thought that it was, you know, these other factors that would really like move my students, right? I'm like making videos, sending videos home with students for them to watch with their parents and y'all do this extra work at home. And, you know, all of these things like I'm, you know, trying to get students to do that I thought would move, you know, to help me see student growth. And I wasn't seeing it, like you know, like not the results mm -hmm. that I wanted to see. And so when you look at something like that, it's just like, oh, wow, like I've been kind of approaching this from the wrong end, you know? Mm -hmm. So, because if we focus on self-efficacy, it just makes a lot of other challenges go away and, or it makes them at least, you know, easier to, to help students overcome if we focus on self-efficacy first. Mm -hmm. And can you define self-efficacy for me? Yes. So very simple. It is a student's thoughts or opinions about if they can accomplish a task or not, right? So, and you know, it kind of, we kind of think of it like, oh, that's their confidence, but it's kind of really deeper than just their confidence, you know, but it, because it, it's their thoughts, it's the mindset about how they see themselves. Am I capable of this? Um, and then, you know, a lot of times your students, they're experiencing, especially, especially like your lower performing students, they're experiencing failure after failure after failure. So what do they start to think about themselves, right? Like, I'm a failure. I can't do this. I've tried. It's just not working out. I'm not measuring up to how, you know, Paula on my right is, you know, performing. I'm, I'm, I can't do it. And that's where we get, you know, right? Like those, those comments about, I'm just not a math person, you know, mm -hmm. because they think that if it doesn't come to them easily, right? that they're not they're not going to be successful at it. And so self-efficacy really goes into really helping students with that awareness um which, you know, and I, I don't want to go off track, but that's where, you know, that that social emotional learning component is tied into it because it's really helping students develop this awareness about who they are. Um and just because if just because it doesn't come to you this certain way, you know, you might have to approach this a little different way, but that doesn't mean that it's not for you to see achievement in that area. Mm -hmm. I love seeing that connection between like the self-efficacy piece and like the social emotional learning. As a as a teacher, I get that I get a lot of like push to like put SEL in the classroom, put SEL in the classroom, and there's not. While I can see like the benefits specifically it's nice to see like the connection of like to the self-efficacy and how putting them together with self-efficacy can have like immense dividends or grow exponentially for students in the classroom. Yeah, because you actually, you know, like, and for me, as I was like doing all of my research, you know, um, I saw a lot of overlap. And so when I think when I was like thinking of ways to build and embed self-efficacy, I'm like, Oh, you know, you think growth mindset, right? Um, mm -hmm. That's helping them build self-awareness. That's social-emotional learning. You know, or you think goal setting, right? We're going to help students 
um, set these goals and only focus on like, you know, these attainable goals for them in their own individual journey. Well, that that's self-management, you know, another mm-hmm. social emotional um, component. And so it's really, you know, you see it throughout all of the components of social emotional learning. So they really go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other, really. Yeah. So how does self-efficacy affect students, particularly when it comes to math? Yeah. So, you know, right, like, and I'm a visual person, so I have this visual that I created. Um, But we're talking about, like, self-efficacy. And, you know, we're talking about our goal, our whole focus, the whole main point is student achievement, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we have low student achievement, we have this, you know, math anxiety. And if we have this math anxiety, then we have this low self-efficacy. And so when you think about it, it's really like when you have students that are not engaging in class, right? And we're trying to get them to engage and we're like, I just hear crickets in my classroom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, well, it's it's because of self-efficacy, right? Like they're afraid to speak up because they don't feel like their thoughts that they have, they don't feel like they can contribute anything that's valuable or anything that might, you know, make sense. So it affects them there. Um, It affects them when we're thinking about, um, you know, even you think about your engagement with your classroom discussions, or you think about your engagement with um, just students, you know, answering out loud, or you think about their work ethic, right? They're not doing the work that's on the paper because, self-efficacy, right? They mm-hmm. don't feel like they are capable and they don't feel like they have the proper supports to be able to accomplish this task. For sure, they are like your engagement and your work ethic, um, two big areas, which if we're not engaged, we're not learning. Yeah. <laughs> so for sure, those are two, you know, main areas that I can think of, you know, I'm sure you've seen, you know, some other areas in, in your classrooms as, as well um, that, Self-efficacy definitely plays a big role in um, those areas. Yeah, I definitely see that. I I resonated with like giving a question and having students just crickets. Of <laughs> no one wants to share and no one wants to participate. Um, so what are some steps that teachers can take in their classroom to kind of help students build that? When you think about, and I think about, <laughs> I equate this to Instagram for me. <laughs> nice. I love analogies. Yeah, because when you think about Instagram, right, you think about, at, for at least for me, I mean, I feel like a lot of times it can be like this judgy place, you know, um, where, you know, there's not much room for error or fault. Um, you say something, somebody doesn't agree with it, and then it just, you know, it blows up. And so, you know, like I do tread lightly on Instagram um, and I'm sure I would probably post more and give more of my opinion if I didn't feel like I was going to, you know, people were going to like come attack me. And so I equate that to the math classroom because, you know, students go into the into the math classroom and they're dealing with self-efficacy or poor self-efficacy. And it's like, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to speak up. I'm afraid to try because I don't feel like this environment supports me. And so that is the that's the first place to start um, is the environment, right? Making sure that we build this environment in our classrooms where students feel welcome, where they feel loved, appreciated, valued, 
all of that, um, just the environment, like, you know, we want growth mindset, like fully growth mindset, not just, you know, we set our, we talk about it at the beginning of the school year and then never touch it again, you know, and you focus a lot on culture as well, right? Like that math classroom culture. Yeah. So that is so important. Like, that's why I went, like, when I saw you, like, <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, she gets it. Somebody else, like, you know, feels the same way because that is the first that's the first part of it. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's the first part of it. And, you know, I just feel like a lot of times that part is skipped. We don't mm. focus on environment, you know, um, a lot of times, especially a lot of math minded people, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. we can focus so much on content. And I know for me, like that was, that was an adjustment for me because my husband's very like, you know, he's compassionate. He's, I'm, I'm compassionate. I'm very compassionate. However, I'm task oriented. And uh -huh. so for me, I had to make sure that I am focusing first or I had to, when I was in the classroom, I had to make sure that I was focusing first on environment and content will come, you know, but first I have to have that environment. So that's one place to get started, making sure that, you know, we have that, those supports in place um, that we're really truly focusing on, not just one time at the beginning of the year, focusing on growth mindset, or, you know, we have the affirmation station in the room but it's just kind of the core you know <laughs> yeah and we're not really like utilizing it because it's powerful mm -hmm. you know like it has a lot of power to it but like really making sure that our classroom is embedded and like making sure too because you know um there's a lot that is said in the hidden curriculum where we can pass off these messages that to students that we don't mean to pass off, you know, it's just like, I'm not, I don't mean to, but sometimes my actions say something different than what my words are saying. So really just evaluating, like, what are my actions inside of the classroom? Even, you know, something as simple as uh, allowing test retakes, you know, if I don't allow you to retake a test, then what am I communicating to you? You know, yeah. like what's the goal here, like, I want to see you succeed. Things like that, just environment and just making sure that our actions truly line up to to what I'm saying and there are more um <laughs> that I can go on and on about I don't know if you want me to keep going but feel free I'm loving this <laughs> um so environment and then you know I'm a big fan of scaffolded supports like um anchored and I know sometimes people feel different about them like they feel like oh well you know you're babying them or and it's not there's a way to do it where you know and students need it right like I said they have mm -hmm. to feel supported um they have to feel like this environment is an environment that I can thrive in you know like this environment is an, an environment where I'm supported in and so having your scaffolded support such as those anchor charts you know big 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 I'm a huge fan of anchor charts and because I saw so much success with them in my classroom mm -hmm. Um, and I, I just remember I had an amazing, so one year I taught at a school, not one year for, I was in a district where, um, it, I don't know if you're familiar with the company NIT, NIET, and so it's, I don't want to mess up the acronym, so I'm not even going to try to tell you what it is, but they have these schools <clears throat> that have heavy instructional support. The instructional coach is like called a master teacher. And so I had a master teacher and she was amazing um she was so good shout out to Jim Board <laughs> but um she was so good but I remember her 
she was really, you know, the person that introduced me to um, these anchor charts. And so, but really helping students and success criteria and really not, she didn't introduce me to anchor charts, correction, the success criteria, but they go hand in hand. I'm rambling. Let me (laughs) tie this all together. But really um, making sure that students, and it's not giving them like steps in a process. It's not like taking the conceptual understanding away from math, but it's really helping students think through like, okay, if I'm teaching a new concept, okay, what did we just do? Like, let's, let's, let's step this out. Okay. First we thought about what the whole was. Okay. All right. So that helps me, you know, know who doesn't understand what a whole is. Right. And then, okay. So what did we do after we identified the whole, then we partitioned it into, you know, halves. Okay. So then that, and so really we kind of break it down with the anchor chart, modeling how we're doing it, you know, solving it, and then having our success criteria. criteria. And then um, after that, you know, students can really begin to like self-monitor and self-assess because they know, and that's how they feel supported. Because if I'm looking at my anchor chart on my success criteria, I can tell you exactly where my breakdown is at and I can get support. Versus if a student just says, oh, I need help, you know, um, they might not feel as supported from you because they might not be able to communicate clearly where they need the help at. And so then they feel like, well, my teacher doesn't help me. Well, you know, it's not that your teacher doesn't want to help you, but we might need some clarifying of where the help is needed. So I really like that, that piece of having the the success criteria listed, because I run into that problem too, of like students asking for help. And my immediate follow-up is, well, what would you like help with? Or like, Mm -hmm. ask me a question. And sometimes, a lot of the times, I get a student response of like, I don't know, or all of it. And so it doesn't help me necessarily understand where the student is stuck. And so having that success criteria where students can point out, I'm stuck on this part right here, will allow them the voice to be able to communicate and help me understand what I can do to really help that student be successful and feel successful at the math. Yes, absolutely. And I let them use it on assessments. I would let them use it on assessments. You know, you use it for as long as you feel like you need to use it for, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Until you feel comfortable, you know, and some people may not agree with that. They're like, well, they got to learn it, you know, but how are they going to learn it if they're not supported throughout their learning journey? So um, those are just, you know, two big ones that I would say um, for sure, like starting places for, you know, increasing student self-efficacy. And using it on an assessment, I know, like you said, like some people would have some some things to say about that. For me, if a student is going to struggle on an assessment and that's the piece that would have them the confidence to be able to show you that they understand it, then that's okay. Like, I don't, I think that's totally fine. And for a student who may not understand it yet, it's not going to be the make or break factor for them showing like work beyond their abilities, if that makes sense. Right. I think it's a win-win situation of having something that students can refer back to because going back to like the math anxiety piece, sometimes that anxiety can be so overwhelming that it just like blocks out what you remember and just having something to refer back to be like, oh, okay, I know what I'm doing. I've got this. Rather than just it like all just like flooding away from your brain. Yes. I'm glad you said that because 
it is actually a research-based strategy for aiding, um, for support, for uh, decreasing math anxiety. It's actually like research-based for exactly the reason you just said, because yeah, like their frontal lobes are just like, they're the working memory. It's just like blocked. And so like nothing is coming in. And so if they have something that decreases that math anxiety because they're not trying to rely on their working memory, but they have something like that they can put their finger on and say, okay, this is where I am. And, and, and to your point too, especially the way that, you know, the success criteria is created. If they, if they know how to partition, if they know what that word is, like, that's good. You uh-huh. know, like, yeah. they know <laughs> like if they can follow the success, because it's not just do this, do that, do that. But if they understand the success criteria, then you know that they have some type of conceptual understanding. So it's not just, oh, I'm, you know, allowing you to cheat. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> so yeah. Not at all. I'm interrupting today's episode to ask you a vital question. Do you have the tools in your classroom for student success? Well, wonder no more because I have a way for you to check your work. My new guide, Seven Math Teacher Must-Haves for Student Success, has the top seven items you need in your classroom. From classroom staples to manipulatives that are often missed, this checklist will ensure that your students have a successful school year. Additionally, each item shows the best budget and splurge options. Download the Seven Math Teacher Must-Haves for Student Success after listening to today's episode by going to misskuyper.com slash guide. So thinking more about like having a mindset of your for yourself too as a teacher of how to bring this within the classroom, what is one way that a teacher could get started kind of promoting positive self-efficacy in the classroom? I think something as simple as when students first enter into the classroom, right? That that check-in. Because, you know, like, and it could be, I know sometimes people feel like, well, I don't have time to do like a check-in, you know, or do morning meetings or, you know, do any of that stuff. Like, I don't have time to do it. If you feel like you don't have time to do like a full-blown morning meeting, maybe try like one day a week where we do a morning meeting and kind of really check in. Um, Because, you know, like you never know how students are feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. what they're going through. And even just, you know, sometimes like I would ask questions that were like about their feelings in math, right? Um, Like, how are you feeling, you know, with the current skill that we're working on? Just checking in with that. Or like a question of the day, if, you know, um, students are dealing with like anxiety about just a math classroom, welcoming them into the classroom, doing a check-in that kind of gets their mind off of math and just builds that relationship with you as a teacher. Um, Because that is, and that's why I do like the check-in point because I see it as a a strong, solid relationship builder. And the students get to know you, you get to know them. You know, that's why I think that that is a critical starting point because before we even get this math class started, let's, let's connect. And let's get out some emotions. Let's figure out what's going on. And I was even going to say, like, I would do a quote of the month. And so in that check-in time, whatever our quote of the month was, we talked about it. Like, how does that apply to the current skill that we're doing? Like, how can you, you know, like, for for example, and I always use this one, but this is one of my favorites. Um, Einstein has a quote 
it's not that I'm so smart. It's just that I stay with problems longer. Right. So Ooh. like, yeah, it's, I know, Einstein, <laughs> you know, and so I love it because everyone always associates Einstein with being like this big brain, you know, super smart, whatever. But even Einstein said, it's, it, that's not what it is. It's, I stick with problems longer. And so that, you know, communicates effort. And so if in that morning part of the classroom, if that's our quote of the month, then we're talking about, okay, how can I show a little bit more effort today, right? Mm -hmm. Or what concept or what skill are we working on that might requ uh, might require me to put forth a little bit more effort today, right? And so really just building that support again, because, you know, students feel supported, they feel heard, all of that, the goodness, and so much goodness can come out of just that, like, intro part of the class just to get started. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like because you find that if you start there, as you're going throughout your lesson, right, like you can pull so much information from that, like that can benefit you while you're teaching. If a student said, okay, I need to put forth more, put forth more effort in, you know, um, the skill of finding a fraction of a set, then you know that you can remind that student, okay, so, hey, remember we said today that this is what we're going to focus on, right? You said it, you know, yes. <laughs> it puts it back on them. Like, I'm not making you do this, but this is something that you said that you wanted to do. So I'll, I just want to help support you in your goals. I like those a lot. I, one of my favorite things that our school really pushes is like greeting students at the door. Like it's, we stand outside during passing time and we greet every kid that walks in. And I just, I went to like visit other schools and that's not their norm. And it was like weird exactly. to me. And I'm like, I love that our school wants to promote this enough that it's like, for we have to be in the halls during passing time, like saying hi to kids, welcoming them into the yes. classroom. And that gives you so much information too of like, where students are at emotionally that day because a kid who always comes in and says hi to you one day just like doesn't you mm -hmm. know something's you know, up something's in it up. yeah and you can like check in with the kid and be like hey I noticed you seem to be down today something going on or would you like to talk about it or just giving them the opportunity to know that you noticed and because even just that noticing piece can be so valuable to a yes. student of like, oh, people notice me or they care enough to like ask me about it, I think can be such like a huge driving factor of feeling like they belong within a classroom. And it's not just a person in a room, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And, you know, <laughs> I know there was a year that I really struggled with. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with like getting to because because um, if school started like at eight and once I had a kid, it was just like traffic in the morning. It was just, you know, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But, you know, being at my door in the morning, um, like I said, there was a year where I really struggled to get to work <laughs> on time. So I could be at my door in the morning. But when I did, um, there, I saw so much value in it. Right. And, you know, you see the, um, some people have the high five handshake, you know, mm -hmm. but to see like your teammates doing that as well. And then like, you know, you look next door to you and, you know, they have like these secret handshakes that they're doing with certain uh -huh. things. And it's just like, Oh my goodness. Like I want that too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I even thought of like the other day, 
an idea of just like a way to even have like greet students at the door and kind of in the moment kind of see where where they are like having you know how like I know when I was in grade school my teacher would put like marbles in a jar um and once the jar filled up you know um we got a, a treat or whatever but not that same concept but the whole concept of like the jar um, but having like a jar and when students come in in the morning, e- either doing like these color coded marbles that go with like um, their emotions or mm-hmm. marbles are too loud, you know, um, maybe like the little pom pom, uh-huh. like color code those and like have them drop it in the jar. So before you're, you even get started, you know, like you, you can look at this jar and kind of see, okay, like what color, <laughs> you know, what color yeah. today. Um, so I even thought about, you know, that as just kind of like a great way um, because, you know, we teach students to have um, awareness, but we also have to have that awareness. And so that's just a great way to kind of greet students at the door. And then also at the same time as they're coming in, get them to kind of, you know, check in with their emotions just really mm-hmm. quickly so we can have that awareness. I like that because I feel like for middle schoolers, they would do that because pom-poms are so much fun. So they'd <laughs> want to like take one and like place it in a jar. Yeah. And, I, and it ha- it helps them identify the emotion. And I know when students are able to identify the emotion, it's a lot easier for them to deal with that emotion. Yes. Because yes. sometimes they have big feelings and they don't know what those big feelings are especially (laughs) middle school yes and so having them just take a moment to identify the emotion can be so relieving and I know we have these things called uh, refocus room slips and anytime a student just like needs like a break or they're not able to function within a classroom we will send them to another classroom and we'll give them a refocus slip and one of the things Yes. And one of the things that we did this year on them, this is like a school wide thing. So we all have like the same paper. One of the things we have on there is like five different emojis with the emotion labeled underneath of like, Mm -hmm. how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. And allowing them to identify what emotion they were feeling. And then kind of like sentence frames to kind of like think through it before then re-entering into the classroom. And I love that piece. Yes, because it doesn't help because, you know, and as you were talking, I was kind of like thinking about that because I'm like, you know, when students enter into a classroom, you know, you may enter one way. But my goal is that if you entered in, you know, any way other than happy or jovial, right? Like my goal is to help you like get to a different emotion, right? Because we Mm -hmm. don't want them to to then attach to that emotion and say, you know, well, I'm just a depressed person, you know, like yeah. we don't want them to take, even though that may be the emotion that they are feeling, you know, they may be feeling down or whatever in the moment, we don't want them to take on that identity. So yeah. really making sure that we're aware of where they are. And if it's not, you know, at a place of homeostasis, then we want to help you get to, you know, um, a better place. Exactly. I love that. So as we wrap up the episode today, are there any other things in terms of self-efficacy or social emotional learning that you wanted to share with us today? I'm so sad that we're wrapping up because I know I enjoy talking to you. Oh my word. I I love it. Uh, we got to do this again. Yes. We definitely Um, need to do another episode together. Yeah, And I love how you have like that middle school perspective, you know, um, I taught fifth grade, but you know, they, sometimes they think they're 
middle school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like, so, you know, just, I think we kind of touched on like just some great getting started tips for increasing <clears throat> self-efficacy and really not, you know, and I tell people like, I'm not a fluff type teacher. I can appear to be like frou-frou happy, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. But like, if it's not going to add value, then like, I'm not about it. And so, you know, when we think about self-efficacy and if, you know, I guess like my passion really is to get people to see like self-efficacy, social emotional learning from a different lens, because it's not, I just feel like if people can see that if we start there, like give it a try and start there, start increasing student self-efficacy, start focusing on social emotional learning and embedding it into the classroom, any area that you see that it can fit really, right? But if we just give it a try and start there, we will see so many other areas start to, you know, like so many other areas that we're struggling and we will see them, you know, start to, um, to decrease, you know, like your engagement is going to go up, the work ethic's going to go up, you're, you're going to start seeing, you know, students not be as afraid at, of, of math, and they will be excited about it. You know, I know when students would come into my class at the beginning of the, of the school year, and they'd be like, Oh, math, like, I'm <laughs> like literally afraid of fifth grade math. And I'm like, Oh, my goodness, you are going to love math. And like, that was always my goal. My goal was always to help them love math and not see it as something, you know, just as, you know, scary. And I remember every year, as soon as we would get started and we would use manipulatives and use models and different things to help solve, you know, those complex problems, they they would say, oh my goodness, this is so much fun. I love doing this. And I'm like, you see, because it doesn't have to be, you know, so scary. But anyway, I was saying that to say, um, give it a try, you know, start on the other end of it, you know, right? right? Like, let's start where we can get the most bang for our buck and we'll see those other struggles start to decrease. But I do have, you know, like in my research of, you know, trying to figure out like, how do I tackle this? There were numerous books that I did read. And so I can share a few if you, if you want me to. It's not a, it's not a like an exhaustive list, but Um, A few that, of course, like Mindset by Carol Dweck, that's, she's a game changer. I love Um, that book. Yes, she is amazing. Another good one was Teaching with the Heart and Mind. Her name is, I don't want to mess it up. L-O, I don't know if it's Loria or Loray, but it's L-O-R-E-A, Martinez Perez. Um, It's a really good one, like very practical, very practical Mm -hmm. things to do. And then another great one, it's all learning is social and emotional. It's such a good one. It's so- I'll have to check it out. Oh my gosh. All learning is social and emotional. Um, and it's by Frey, Frey and Fisher are two of the authors. And then there's mm-hmm. another person, Smith. Um, so it's a really good one. And then there's another one. I can't think of the name of it. Oh, it's uh, social emotional learning in the brain. Okay. So all really great. Like, oh, there's... <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Um, The growth mindset coach is another really good one, but just a lot of practical ways to, to create that environment for students. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. 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 I love that you shared so many resources for us because that's one thing that I love is having, having an episode and having people 
be able to take something and like continue learning about it. So now they have tons of choices of what they can look forward to next in terms of working on growth mindset and social emotional learning, self-efficacy and growth mindset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, like I said, they all go together. Like you really can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us and share your expertise on self-efficacy in the classroom. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, This has been so much fun. Like I said, we got to do it again. We got to chat more. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Love it. So as we end the episode today, I always ask this question. What is your favorite math related joke or pun? Okay. I'm not. Okay. So my husband like makes up jokes. He has like all these jokes. He makes up like all these jokes all the time. And I'm like, I can't, let me see. So I'll have, I don't know if this counts, but when teaching um, angles, um, and I think everyone does this like acute, uh, like an acute angle, a cute little angle, but for an an obtuse angle, to me, it always looks like a lawn chair and I love the beach. And so I always think, I always say, big chilling on the beach <laughs> because the obtuse angle is you know larger um, uh-huh. so I always say big chilling on the beach for the obtuse angle so I don't I know really like that. <laughs> but it reminds that me can of count. Here. so okay yeah <laughs> I, I definitely see that that's cool uh-huh. yeah and the beach is more than 90 degrees sometimes so that uh, yeah, works too there we go, <laughs> there we go. perfect <laughs> awesome so where can people find you on socials or anywhere else? Yes. So people can find me. Let's see. My website, of course, I have blogs written about like all of these topics, um, jbrownedu.com. And then on socials, on Instagram, I am at joyful.math there. Um, I'm also on TikTok. Let me see what my name is on TikTok. <laughs> If that tells you anything about my involvement on TikTok, <laughs> I am there. Oh, it's the same thing as my Instagram one at joyful.math on TikTok as well. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me on, on those platforms. Awesome. I will have to follow you on TikTok. I don't think I'm following you on TikTok yet. Yeah. And mostly I post the same content in, that I post on Instagram. I'll post uh-huh. it on TikTok. But yeah, let's see TikTok friends. <laughs> Yes, I like that. Well, I'm sad this is over. I had so much fun talking with you today. I know. Oh, and one other thing, if I do have, I do have, if they want like a free guide to kind of help get started, I do have like uh, the math mindset, agenda slide, poster. I think there's like a bookmark just to kind of help get started with embedding uh, self-efficacy in the math classroom. Um, you can find that free guide at www.jbrownedu.com backslash free guide. I haven't had coffee yet this morning, so my brain is like, <laughs> what am I trying to say? But yeah, www.jbrownedu, the letter jbrownedu.com backslash free guide and you'll get your starter pack. Awesome. I will put that in the description as well. So you can click that and be transported to awesomeness. Awesome. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. A calculator. Oh, I like it. Got it. All right. See you later. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you 
you so much for tuning into today's episode. To find all the links and resources to things talked about in this episode, head on over to MissKuypersClassroom.com and click on podcast.